You are Locked On Pit, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, Panther Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pit Podcast, your daily podcast covering the Pittsburgh Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Nick Fairbaugh. I write for Pittsburgh Sports Now, work at WPTS radio station, and I am a production assistant at ACC Network. Good episode coming up here of Locked on Pit. It's a defense all episode. What signs can we take from their Georgia Tech win and performance, and are there causes for concern still in the future with how the defense played? All that more coming up on Locked on Pit. Folks, welcome back to the Locked On Pit Podcast. And as per usual, thank you for making Locked On Pit your first listen every day. We are available on all platforms. Make sure to leave a five-star review. Find it anywhere you want on all those platforms. We are on all of them. But let's get into this defense. And the first topic I really want to talk about is, obviously, you know, we talked about the complimentary football they played on Monday. That was kind of the big takeaway from this performance from this defense. The complimentary football The defense played well in that regard. However, however, there is a few things to take away from that performance that I didn't talk about, just on a surface level. Good things, that is. You know, it's more than just complimentary football. It's in the manner of which they create that complimentary football. Is it replicable? You know, or is it this is a Georgia Tech phenomenon only? Because there's different things. You can have those turnovers, and you can have those big fourth down stops. But if it's not replicable, and you can't do it over and over again, repeatedly throughout the season, it doesn't mean that much in the grand scheme of things. Pitts, on the other hand, I think it was somewhat replicable. Because, listen, let's look overall at the overall scope of this whole thing, right? In the manner of which they won this football game. Four turnovers, a ton of fourth down stops. Georgia Tech was one of four on fourth down. Impressive stuff from this defense. They stood tall in key areas, and they did it by great defensive line and front seven play. That's something that can be replicated. That is a replicable performance, if you will. It's not something that we have seen enough of, particularly from those linebackers. And this is where I think the biggest thing when you look at the front seven, it's not, you know, Habakkuk Baldonado continuing to ball out. Of course he is going to continue to ball out. Habakkuk Baldonado is a very good football player. Dazzle Alexander, Kalajic, Kansi are going to ball out. Of course they are. Of course they are. However, it's more so in the vein of, hey, we have guys like Sarasia Denise, who is new to the Mike linebacker position, feeling more comfortable than ever. Sarasia Denise had a really good game. A really good game. You kind of watched how he played. You know, he was flying around the field, two and a half tackles for loss, a sack included in that, eight total tackles, six solo. He was flying around the football field, man. That was a guy that when you looked overall at what he was doing, 
This was a guy that continually read the the defense well. He got in passing lanes over the middle of the field. That was something I was very impressed by with Sarasi Denise. It wasn't just his downhill ability. We knew that was a thing. But his he was very, very precise. And when he was dropping back, rolling over and back on those RPOs over the middle of the field, whenever they saw them, he was doing a nice job of getting his hands up and getting in those passing lanes so Jeff Sims couldn't make those layups. Now, granted, they forced them out of that pretty early. They forced them out of that with the two picks. You know, obviously Alexander getting the one up and then a pick for John Patricia. So this is how you, as a defense can show up and respond to your coach's challenge of we need turnovers well you got those turnovers through a variety of reasons dominant front seven play however was the key to all of this it was the key to all of it they played extremely well Denise looked very very good at the Mike Baker spot the best he has looked all year bar none I think Keyshawn Camp had a great game. He was finally a main part of the rotation. A, a one and a half tackles for Laws on the day. He was everywhere. That dude had a great game. Two quarterback hits for Habakkuk Baldonado. He had a good game. John Morgan had two tackles for Laws. He was everywhere. You look at overall what they did on the front seven. Everyone in that front seven rotation seemingly had a standout play. They seemingly did. Or if they weren't, they were just quietly solid. Think Phil Campbell, for example. Chase Pine had a big stop behind the line. Wendell Davis had a few key tackles. Everyone in that rotation was key, and they played extremely well. And that's a good thing when you're looking at this defense. If they can replicate that front seven performance, and we know in years past that has been their strength, and it's good thing to note that that is their strength because it looks like they probably can. You want to talk about a front seven play too? That sh- might not have been what people thought it was. It wasn't a sack of tackle for loss. How about Tyler Bentley? You know, chasing down Jameer Gibbs on the big 71-yard reception. That was something that was impressive. You know, you see big guys like that hustling. You see your D lineman getting after it, preventing the big play, preventing the touchdown. And this what? they? I mean, that was big. There are hustle plays like that that can change the complexion of a football game. So when you rack up 10 total tackles for loss, when you get after Jeff Sims and you rack up 11 total pressures on the game, you make him feel you. It's going to be tough for that offense to do a ton. He's seen skittish all day. The defensive line was putting hits on him. And in the run game, the defense and the linebackers were keying downhill, making big plays, and the linebackers were making plays in coverage. They were actually going through their keys. They were thinking about things very, very precisely and very, very sharply. They looked good. That was the replicable part of this performance. Straight up. The strong front seven play took away the RPO game. It took away the RPO game they knew that they didn't have the precise accuracy that Caleb Ellaby had with Jeff Sims, and Pitt made him pay for it. That was the replicable part of this performance. All right, but, but, even if it was a replicable part of the performance, what could potentially be an issue for this defense? I want to talk about that, but first I want to let you know about betonline.ag. All eyes are still on the gridiron as football season kicks into full 
gear. And as always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface with even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be your number one source for everything football. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. Again, that's promo code Locked On to receive your bonus from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online where the game starts. All right, folks, welcome back to Locked on Pit. I really, really, really want to talk about this pit defense and kind of the issue I still have with it, even if they put up a really good performance. Is there stuff that is maybe not sustainable, for example? Yes, they did a great job in the red zone, stopping them on short downs. Listen, GT was 1 of 5 on third and shorts. One of five. And coincidentally, one of four on fourth down. So three of those five drives where they got to third and four or shorter, they actually went turnover on downs. Which is impressive to say the least for a pit. Very impressive. Only an 18.2% third down conversion rate. Their average third down distance was 8.6 yards. Always good for a defense if your average third down rate is that. Didn't let them get into a ton of third and shorts. And when they did, Pitt stopped them. I mean, that that's the point. Listen, when GT was within two yards or less for a touchdown or first down, they were one of four. That's how good Pitt was in terms of that defensive. That It was just, it was really a bad day for Georgia Tech on the ground. Eight of their runs were stuffed. That's over a quarter of their runs. That was a great thing. And again, going back to great front seven play, that's going to be the engine for Pitt moving forward. But there are issues. Nine big plays still. Still nine big plays given up. You can define that as rushes more than 10 yards or passes more than 15 yards. And what were the big plays? Well, there was. let's break a few of them down. There was obviously the, the first touchdown. Brandon Hill got caught napping on a double move. And Chris Carter was on here last Friday talking about how Corey Sanders and the overall vibe of that secondary, the coaches specifically was do not get caught looking in the backfield. Brandon Hill got caught looking in the backfield. The good news is you didn't see it a ton. Deep passing, Georgia Tech only took four chances. That was the good news. Georgia Tech was 2 of 4, only 50%, but they only took 4 chances. Pitt kind of nullified their run game, and then they didn't target the middle of the field a ton either. It was a lot of outside-the-number stuff. Again, they just didn't target the middle of the field a lot because those linebackers were playing really well. So that's the stuff you really like to see from the Pitt defense. But stuff like the Brandon Hill stuff, it concerns you because it's a pattern. They've been caught looking in the backfield against Tennessee. They got caught looking in the backfield against Western Michigan. Who's to say they don't do it against Virginia Tech, North Carolina, Clemson? 
it's been multiple players. You know, it's not been one guy. I can't just say it's Brandon Hill. Brandon Hill's one of many that has been caught looking in the backfield like that. You have to have your stripe on the guy you are guarding, period. It is a, the Narduzzi scheme is a very, very technically hard scheme to run with your coverage players. It's far more predicated on your pass rush getting home, and that's why they recruit so well up front, and they make sure Charlie Partridge knows what he's doing, and he can produce NFL talent. But on the back end, if you don't have a DeMar Hamlin back there, it's a lot, it's a bigger issue. And Brandon Hill's a quality football player. But he got caught napping one time, and it turned into a touchdown for Georgia Tech. Can't get caught looking in the backfield, can't stop your feet. You can't do that. That's the technical stuff. That's fixable, though. That's a personnel thing. So that's an issue. I think the bigger issue is the missed tackles, specifically in the secondary. It's not as much an issue, I feel like, even at the first level or the second level. It's when you get to the back four, sometimes the back five, depending on the personnel they're in, if they're in the Delta package. It, it's a it's a very weird thing. Narduzzi, there's issues with the Narduzzi scheme, right? You're essentially running cover zero with a four-man rush every play, and the linebackers are taught to either go downhill or they're kind of taught to ad-lib whatever it is. That's kind of what their whole vibe is. It's a really interesting dichotomy when you look at, at the Narduzzi defense. It's such a unique scheme for its, its warts and for its benefits. But... There is that kind of wrinkle where they got to tackle well because you really don't have a ton of help to the inside. You don't really have a ton of help. So if they get you in space, they block one guy and you're one-on-one, you better tackle that guy. Pitt did not tackle well. And they haven't tackled well. They didn't tackle well against Tennessee. They didn't tackle well against Western Michigan. In the secondary specifically, that was a big issue. It's just those getting those playmakers in space. You know, Jameer Gibbs really cooked him. Now, the stat line might not say it. It really might not. But Jameer Gibbs, with that 71-yarder, also the touchdown called back, they were horrible tackling displays. Now, granted, you're not going to face a lot of guys as, as elusive as Jameer Gibbs. But still, you don't really want to see that. I think the missed tackles are my number one problem with this defense right now. The missed tackles in the secondary, it's a problem now. It was, if it was a one-game thing against Tennessee, okay. That was a different type of offense. It's an offense that gets their playmakers in space. It's understandable. But now it's become a pattern. If you can't tackle Corey Crooms, if you can't tackle Joey Calloway, if you can't tackle Jameer Gibbs, who says you're going to be able to tackle Frank Nada or Ty Chandler or De'Eric King or Cameron Harris, or Mateo Durant, or Sean Tucker. These are guys that are good football players that are still on Pitt's schedule. It's definitely worrying. The missed tackles are the biggest thing. You'll live with whatever warts you have. The front seven balled out. If the front seven plays like they did on Saturday, Pitt's defense is looking like it's growing. It's a work in progress. It's a work in progress right now, right? But the missed tackles are something you have to fix. It's something that can be corrected. It's the most correctable thing on the defense, period. And you have to correct it, I think, in order for Pitt to make a really deep quality run this year. I think missed tackles could be the bane of their existence on defense if they're not careful overall, especially in this secondary. All right, folks, I want to talk about what they did schematically, maybe what they're starting to do or trying to figure out as this defense tries 
to improve. However, first, I want to talk about prize picks, college football fanatics. I don't know if you've ever heard of prize picks, but prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love this, and I know you will too. Prize picks offers more college football props than anyone in the world and offers all the star players from the power five teams all the way to mid major players you may have never heard of. Prize picks offers any prop you could think of from yards to touchdowns to even interceptions thrown. So get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 just using the promo code locked on. Again, that's the promo code locked on. You pick two to five players and an over under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. Pricebooks also allows them to make sports entries, so you can take the over on LeBron while taking the under on Mahomes in the same entry. So use the award winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com and use promo code locked on or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. Folks, do you want a protein bar that's delicious and healthy? I got the thing for you. Check out Built Bar. The bar has nine delicious flavors coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, and salt caramel. So there's something for everyone. Doesn't matter what you like, something's going to probably find its way onto your taste buds. If you haven't tried all the flavors, and you can get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. However, not only are they the best tasting, they're healthy too. You can get 17 to 18 grams of protein, only 130 to 180 calories, only 4 to grams of sugar, and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. There's nine amazing flavors. They're all tasty, and they're all healthy. So go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCK15 against the promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off on BuiltBar.com. Alright folks, welcome back to the Locked on Pit podcast. I really want to talk a little bit about though, what in the world is going on here with this pit defense schematically. And I think it's so important to talk about what's going on schematically because it does become related to the personnel. Right? You know, it's not just it's not just something anymore. It, it's different now. Because the personnel dictates what you can do schematically. Now obviously they're going to run press quarters. They're going to run essentially four man rush with cover zero behind it. Yes. That's true. The front seven's playing well though. But the big thing that they're doing now that they have not done. And the thing that I really noticed against Georgia Tech was the blitzing. I have never seen them blitz that much in terms of just trying to, to give the quarterback different looks, trying to do all this. You know, they had a cross dog blitz, they had a cross buck blitz, they had a safety dog blitz, they had a special X blitz. They have these different types of blitzes that they run. It's a Pat Narduzzi slash Randy Bates kind of hybrid stuff. It's really cool. They scheme up these blitzes, man, as about as good as anybody out there. Narduzzi really, really gives teams trouble with these blitzes. These blitzes are trouble, and with a ACC that has no murderer's row of offensive lines in front of them. I mean, listen, Pitt, they don't even have a terrific O-line in terms of run blocking. They're easily one of the best pass-protecting teams in the conference. The conference as a whole, North Carolina's offensive line looks horrible. So does Clemson's, 
and no one else on that schedule that really pit plays outside of maybe Virginia Tech says, wow, we have a good offensive line. No one outside of Boston College really can pride them on being a great offensive line. That's the thing. I think that you look at that and you say, wow, Pitt has opportunity here with these blitzes. And it's not just the four-man blitzes. The four-man blitzes are cool. You know, they, they can get home in four because they have Baldonado, they have Alexander, they have Cancy, they have Camp, they have all these towns on the interior and uh, on the edge. So you can get home with four, and they will do that still. But utilizing your downhill linebackers, the guys like Phil Campbell, the guys like Cervasio Denise, Wendell Davis, Chase Pine, you know, Cam Bright, utilizing these guys that play downhill so well, it makes so much sense when you can confuse offensive lines with these stunts, with these twists. I mean, just look at what happened on Saturday. Desley Alexander comes as a crasher on a blitz on the interior, puts his hands up, and it gets picked because he got his hands up. And then you look at what the John Patrician pick six was. It was a stunt coming off the edge. You hit Sims's arm. It's a pick six. It's the difference between a big play. It's the difference between a touchdown potentially for Georgia Tech and a touchdown for Pitt. And my folks, that gives Pitt a 14-0 lead. Pitt has its formula, and blitzing is part of it. But I'm not sure if the blitzing is going to be so sustainable. Because, again, all you have to do is is when you're an accurate quarterback, and Jeff Sims was not that accurate precise dude that you're going to be terrified of to throw RPOs like a Caleb Ellaby or a Sam Howe is because those guys are precisely accurate. That's not what, that is not what Jeff Sims is. It's just not what he is. So when you look at that overall, you kind of come out and say, well, we can blitz you. You might not be able to blitz guys because you can put the, 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 the star backer in conflict and just throw it right over the top. If your free safety is playing off, if your field safety is playing off, you can put these guys in conflict and, and make some really easy plays like Worcester, Michigan did, for example. But the blitzing, I think, is a great crutch for them to have. With the schedule, with the type of teams they're playing, it's a great thing. But I think it's more of a lifeline because I think they're figuring out things in the secondary. Figuring out, well, how do we make these guys tackle better? How do we make sure they don't stop their feet? How do we make sure that we know that they play with their feet? They mirror with their feet. They play with physicality. They keep their eyes on the receiver, on his hips, and not on this guy's quarterback. How do we make sure that we have disciplined defensive backs? I think that's the key to this all. You look at it overall, what's the key to this? It's got to be the defensive backs. Listen, they're going through personnel changes. Who's going to be the main starters on the outside? Is it going to be Mathis and Kez? Is it going to be Emshire? Or how much are you going to play Rashad Battle? Or how much are you going to play, you know, A.J. Woods? How much are you playing him? How much do you play Talender? How much do you play P.J. O'Brien on the interior of the slot? How, is how the starter still? You know, how much do you play these guys? It's kind of, they're working through it, and they're working through teaching these guys how to become better, how to become more polished, and that's kind of what I think the blitz does for them. It takes pressure off the back end of the defense, which is always a good thing. Not This is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. If they can figure this out, on the secondary kind of gets better and can improve, I think it's a work in progress. It's a project, right? It's a project. This feels like a Pat Narduzzi and Randy Bates project right now, and they're leaning on the blitz. 
to try and help their corners and their safeties. It's a smart idea. It's a smart idea. As long as these guys are getting more and more experience and they're learning as they're doing it, more and more they continue to get better, it's a win. The blitzing is a great idea. It's a short-term thing, though, because, again, I think some teams can really dice them up with this, but but it's smart when your secondary isn't fully functional yet. You don't exactly know what th- that is, and it's a work in progress. So I think if, as long as the secondary, we continue to see strides at the secondary, they start to play better, at least play more confident. Maybe they'll give up a big play here or there, but they're a little bit more confident, and they're playing with a little bit more swagger than they have over the past few weeks. It's going to be a good thing for this defense all right folks tomorrow we'll have dalton coppola from the pit news the assistant sports director on here to talk about pitt's running game their offensive line and how much credit mark whipple deserves for this offense's success and thank you as always for making locked on pit your first listen but make sure to make locked on acc your second listen head over there candace cooper makes some great stuff over there on locked on acc they're available on every platform make sure to make that your second listen of the day. Thank you for listening, folks, and as always, hail to Pitt.